0: On this episode, we talk about managing your time, YouTube optimization, and being a dad. The Ask Gary V. Show. Hey, everybody, this is Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is episode 228 of the Ask Gary V. Show. We are rolling here. It is a Thursday uh, in New York City, it is gorgeous outside. One of you sent me this t-shirt, thank you. Found it in my closet. Uh, I am uh, very focused. Tonight is, the season is on the line. I know a lot of people are like, you can't have the season on the line after two games. I understand, the season's on the line. Jets have to win tonight in Buffalo. I hate Rex Ryan, I hate Buffalo Bills. I hate the town of Buffalo uh, tonight. I hate Chris Saka, who's a Buffalo Bills fan. Jamal Henderson, Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, Zach Klein, Buffalo Bills fan. Kim, Kim, uh, Kim Garcia, Buffalo Bills fan. I hate all these people. India? I know you are, I know you are. Um, how you doing? Good, you good, good, good. Good week of shows. Mm-hmm. The Simon episode, by the way, I really thought I did as well as I could not interrupting Simon and still, I'm getting bashed. No more guests ever again on the Vayner show, here. I don't know what the Vayner show is. <laughs> I'm asking him. Like, you need to get back. I know, India, that was remarkable, that was as good as it's gonna get. Okay. I was really holding back and yet still people are like, Simon was on Gary's show but you would never know because he didn't listen to I me. Mean, like, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's insane. I thought I did a great job but you know, whatever. Alright, what's the first question? You ready? I'm ready. Why are we doing so many videos? <laughs> I'm, like- I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Hey Garrett. this is Yannick from Poland. Do you have any thoughts about recent YouTube monetization changes? Do you think their uh, competitors will benefit from that? Uh, Do you have any names? Which companies we should look out for? Which platforms like YouTube uh, we should look out for? Thanks Gary. So what's the punchline? The truth is I, I'm not super sure. I know they went to some subscription stuff. Are they like making less ads? Does anybody know the context of this? I know you guys probably assumed I know but I'm not paying attention. Ellie? They're making monetization on YouTube. They're, they have an algorithm to, to say which videos they can monetize and which videos they can't. And they're making it a lot strict and it's kind of fuzzy on what they can monet, what YouTube creators can monetize and not monetize. Based on IP and stuff of that nature? Is it quality content? Or is it cursing? Is yeah. it low brow? Got it. I'm not the you know, line. Yeah. yeah. Yannick, I, I think look, look, this happens forever. Uh, you have to understand something, Yannick. Anybody in this world, this is, I'm going to give a very good answer that doesn't answer the question. I just got the context. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, there's. Th- I'm going to give you a really good fucking answer. I'm really fired up now because I'm going to level this up, and I'm in a very leveled up mentality for the show. Anybody who's watching the show, that is tying their economics into a platform that is privately held is making a massive mistake. For all the people that made all their money on Google optimization, this is back in the day. Like where else are we gonna go when Google changes the algorithm and they take down lowbrow, it's the same game. The platforms have their users' interest in mind. People come along and try to extract value that have their best interest in mind. The platforms have big scale and opportunity, people wanna make money off of that. As people wanna make money off of that, they look for angles, shortcuts, lowest common denominator, you know, arbitrage. They look for their move and so whether it was affiliate marketing and AdSense, AdWords, arbitrage, Commission Junction, YouTube, the Facebook pages, there's always these moments where You know, there's the ebb and flow, the seesaw of like the cat and mouse game of the people that produce content on these platforms, MySpace, this is just history. This has been the last 20 years of the internet. What happens is the platform will make a macro decision that's in the best interest of the end users at scale and it will hurt the people that been hacking the system slideshows on the internet that allowed those advertisers to make money, those media companies to make more money against advertisers that sat in the middle and didn't care about the quality. This is a quality quantity game that plays itself out. So Yannick, here's what I would say, and for everybody else that's watching, whether it is Snapchat, or Instagram, or Facebook, or Twitter, or YouTube, or podcasting, diversify your world. You need to be everywhere and creating brand and scale everywhere that you are capable of, and if you're not, well then maybe you don't deserve to make as much. But relying solely on the revenue of one platform is a humongous mistake, especially when that platform is a private business that is going to make the decisions for that platform. I loved everybody when the Facebook algorithm changed and organic reach dropped and they were trying to drive their ad revenue up that all of you had real puffy chests and saying, well, we're gonna go elsewhere. How'd that work out for you, Rick? I've decided I'm gonna. I'm going. I'm quadrupling down on the Rick thing. By the way, I'm basically have decided to make Rick my enemy. Eventually, we're gonna. Eventually, Andrew's gonna draw Rick. He's gonna wear a tie. And we're gonna fucking kill Rick. With Rick. Yeah, Rick is gonna be huge. Rick is gonna be my Mickey Mouse. I'm Dave. Dave. Hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. Hey, Gary. It's Dave, co-founder of Wynome in Zurich. I'm here with the team. Um, We're interested about the future of finance and fintech. It's been getting a lot of VC money and interest from the media. You talk about investing in money as an entrepreneur. We'd really like to hear your view on what is the future of banking and finance. Thanks a lot. That's a great question, David. Thank you, and team. Look, I think fintech has been hot for a very long time and continues to be, and through Web 1.0 and Web 2.0 and Social Web and today, uh, fintech is always an opportunity. There's so much SaaS uh, opportunity. There's so much inefficiency in the banking and financial worlds uh, based on people at scale, and I think technology... Look, I think of fintech the same way I think of everything else. Uber, Airbnb, Amazon, they are the absolute previews, not anomalies. They happen to get to the book industry, the black car service, and hoteling. So, what do I think? I think Venmo, or Mint, or all these things have been chipping away and creating billion dollar exit opportunities within FinTech. And because finance, and money transferring, and our personal relationships with money, FinTech is an incredible place. It's been a place that I've never been very passionate about. I've never really gone after that. I tend to like consumer behaviors uh, that are more kind of just just not around money, I guess. Really escapism, entertainment, communication, not around finances, but I think it's an extremely fertile ground and one of the core pillars of who we are as human beings and I think that like everything in the world, uh, technology will eat it up, change it, spit it out, create billionaires, crush fortunes, create new ones and I think the financial sector is uh, no exception. Especially when you take it to the most macro levels, which is like cryptocurrency. I mean, they're just like, that's arbitraging the money itself. I mean, enormous opportunity in fintech. Just ironically, the reason you don't hear much from me is I'm not deeply educated in it because I haven't spent time paying attention to it. It's just not one of the areas that I'm passionate about. But the thesis of opportunity is enormous. Yeah, I think so, think This might be my favorite question ever. This is your favorite question of all time. Wow. that's a big statement. I know. It's a really big statement. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's cool. Well, look, stop hyping me up. Ernest. Hey Gary, my name, hey, Gary. My name is Ernest Comer. I'm a dad. And I'm wondering, what's one of the biggest life events or especially events that you had to miss due to your commitment to the work? And how, and how did you overcome? Thanks, man. You know... Ernest, first of all, that was <laughs> remarkable and about as adorable as it gets. Uh, you know, I haven't missed anything. I've missed some, some, you know, school plays and and I haven't missed any, no birth, I would never miss a birthday. Uh, there hasn't been a signature event. There's seven and four. There hasn't been, you know, Xander's bris. You know, like I'm not missing, like, that, that would be insane to me to miss anything of that nature. Um, I, you know, I, I guess we all have different scale of what's important. There's dads out there who would never in the world miss a baseball game of their son, ever. I would. I just don't think the fifth game in a season for Xander, if something that is remarkable for me and Xander, my family's life, is coming that place. I wouldn't miss Xander's fifth baseball game for a big meeting or a new client. Would I miss it for the opportunity to close a $78 million deal for our family, yes I would. I just, I just would. And, and, and I know one would say, well that's money. Like, Yeah, but but would I miss Xander's championship game after he played baseball every day of his life for nine years and it was his number one passion in the world to close a $78 million deal? I don't know, it's closer. I wouldn't say definitely not, I, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know. First of all, if Xander was 13, Xander at 13, after watching all my business YouTube videos, might want me to, I don't know. Here's what I would say, Ernest and everybody else, first and foremost, I would never judge anybody else's parenting or process. I have the greatest relationships in the world with my parents and I have a lot of things that were done differently than others and I think we all have. But knock on wood, I think this is a far more interesting question maybe five to seven years from now. So far, I'm rolling. There's been nothing even remotely intense that I can think of that I've missed. They've been micro little play this, play that. You know, last day of school, like a teacher conference. Yeah, there's been a couple little things that are like kind of lightweight. They're also very, very young right now, but so far nothing, I haven't had to pick. Everything that I felt, I've missed a lot of business things that, I've, that are solid business things that I've missed because I wanted to be there for the first day of school or, you know, or the Tat Shabbat day. That's the one time Xander gets to do that and, and you know, the little Temple Israel school that he went to. Like, there's single little things like that, uh, but it's, it's weighing things. It's weighing things and I'm not crippled by the current state of political correctness of how you parent because news alert my friends, it's going to be different in 15 years and it was different 15 years ago. Yeah, thank you. Touchabot's Shabbat. cute. That's uh, really Rachel. Rachel. Hey Gary, Rachel here. Love the show. So my question today is, do you recommend building a personal brand even if you're a behind the scenes player? Rachel, it's a great question. I would say absolutely. Let me give you an example. If you're a behind the scenes player, wouldn't you want to be behind the scenes of somebody that you believe is the greatest in the world? And if you were building your personal brand around, I'm an unbelievable number two, or number four, or unbelievable admin, or an unbelievable, I don't want to be out there, but I want to support the people I believe in the most, those people are gonna be looking for those people. And so you might build the brand as an incredible human infrastructure player for somebody who's the greatest, and that would be then great for you. If you were the number one admin, to the most successful person in the world, you are, and the nicest, I mean, I don't want to make this just about money, there's always a better situation potentially and you want to give yourself that best opportunity, so building personal brand only speaks, my friends, to opportunity. If you're good at it and you're articulating your truth and you have the goods to back it up, all being out there, and people get so caught up in semantics of, oh, I hate the world personal brand, like, don't get caught up in the semantics. Having exposure, that creates opportunity is a good idea, period. Last one, Zach. Zach's all up in it. Hey Gary, Zach here. Question referring back to episode 156. When preparing employees for leadership, how do you foster leadership with rising stars or unsung heroes? Thanks for everything you do, appreciate it. Zach, I think this is a really interesting question. You know, what's really funny to me is, it's a funny where my brain goes on this one, which is actions trump everything. Meaning, you prepare them by giving them opportunities to show that they can. I think one of the things that I'm most proud of is for the intensity that I come with, for as much as I want to happen, I would tell you that if you audited everybody here in this room and everybody the 700 people across five offices across here, it is stunning how little I micromanage. If you wanna foster leadership, you have to put people in a position to be leaders. I don't box you in, I don't box Garrett in, I critique when I give him the room to win or lose. If he loses in the game that he's playing, I'll articulate what the shortcomings were, what the opportunities are. So I think leadership is only accomplished, or let me phrase, the prepping of something is only accomplished when you actually do. This is where I get really mad about entrepreneur school. Entrepreneur school is like reading about push-ups. Like, you know, Dunk wants to challenge me into some crazy weight thing of like, who can bench more, whatever you're up to. And so, what's the preparation for that? I can't read about bench press technique. I gotta go do it. You gotta put in the work. I've been working out every day since then. Dunk has not. I'm getting more prep. Now, he may have more natural talent, he just might be stronger. He's definitely much younger and should in theory win this, but he won't because I'll outprepare him. And so that's the punchline. Prep. And so how whether they're an unsung hero, whether they're the most shining star. I, I always worry at Vayner that people think the people that PR themselves or the most loud and charismatic are the ones that are gonna get the opportunities. And I've been really enjoying building Vayner over the last five years, especially the last two years, because the smartest people here are like, hey, wait a minute, look at this person winning and they don't even really even interact with Gary. I haven't even heard of that person. Like, that's the role and responsibility I have. That I'm not just pandering to the easiest move. And so you give people opportunity. Some are loud about it, I got this. Others just quietly go and do it. But here's the punchline. Whether you're like me and you talk a ton of shit and you back it the fuck up every fucking time, that's a win, or you say nothing but you back it the fuck up every time, it's the second part that matters. So put those people in a position to succeed and then watch if they're doing it. Call their bluff, give them a shot, push them harder than they think that they can do. Believe in them more than they believe in themselves and create the framework and the opportunities to do that. Understand it is in your upside as a leader for them to fail and you figure out if they can do it versus that task being done correctly. I prefer that we lose a client, lose a client, money, out of my pocket, but I learn something about the leaders that I'm thinking about going to battle with versus me micromanaging it, never learning about their opportunity as leaders and then Getting the client for two more years. That's called scale. That's called auditing. That's called how you build stuff. There's a lot of magic in this episode. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Wow, fast. (laughs) Prediction of the day. The Jets go into Buffalo and win. And they win solidly. 20 to seven Jets. Question of the day for you. When is this gonna be up other Tyler? Is that any well, no, no, there's no tomorrow morning. There's my Jets prediction. Okay. So we have yeah, to worry, we, we have to not worry about daily V and get this up ASAP. Okay. Good. Question of the day What's your Jets prediction? If anybody nails the score, then you got a timestamp before the game actually starts. Anything after kickoff doesn't count because then you can watch the cadence of the game. If you predict the score, I'm flying you to New York. You'll be here. You'll be right here. <laughs> before the game starts. What's that? You get it up before the game starts. Well, yeah, he's going to get it up in three hours from now. Perfect and there'll be three, you know, the the hardest core maniacs that actually watch it. My inner project manager is coming out. What's that? My inner project manager (laughs) is coming out. You keep asking questions. I'll keep answering them. Podcast listeners, I really appreciate you giving me your ear. I respect it. I appreciate it. Would love, would love a review. One star? Cool. I didn't bring it. Five stars? Even better. Appreciate it.